Welcome to Locked On Yankees. I'm Jesse Spector, and in addition to being your host on this show and at LockedOnYankees.com, you can find me writing sports business at DealBreaker, hockey at NewJerseyDevils.com, more baseball on the pages of Rockies Magazine, occasionally doing a bit of whatever at the score, and hosting a hockey talk show on Lightning Power Play. In other words, I'm a freelance sports guy, used to work at the Daily News and Sporting News, and now I'm doing this. It'll be fun. Let's have fun. And I should say that um, I, I rattle off that list of things. It's it's just a, a list of you know places that I do various things, but I am busy, and I do realize that as the season is approaching, and you know the, the plan is to take this podcast to five days a week uh, once the season gets going, and I would also really like to have more content than we do on, on LockedOnYankees.com, which is at this point, uh, you know, pretty much just uh, when the episodes go up. There's a little post that goes up with the episodes. It has been my hope and and still is my hope and intention to do some Yankees-based writing there. Let's be honest, there hasn't been a whole lot to you know, talk about and write about it. over the past couple of months, you know, pretty much since since the Stanton acquisition. Uh, it's been relatively quiet in Yankee land, and I've never been a real big person on just wanting to go out and write something for the sake of writing something. Uh, so what I'd like to say here is that I'm I'm looking for some help because it's going to be, you know, I've, I've got stuff that I do, um, and this is, uh, to, to be done right, it needs more than just me doing it. So if you are interested in, uh, you know, joining up here and contributing in some fashion or another, uh, whether it's writing or you know whatever, um, you know even if you if you've got some podcast experience and want to hop on uh, as an occasional guest host, uh, drop me a line. You can do that at lockedonnyy at gmail dot com or the Twitter machine uh, at lockedonyankees, and I hope that you will uh, be following there anyway. And really, the the slow pace of of the Yankees offseason into spring training continues. All the reports from spring training just seem like they're, you know, everything's pretty cool. Everything's good. You know, it's nothing, no drama to this point. And, and I think that's pretty much to be expected. Everybody's trying to, you know, get used to, and not everybody's there yet even, but, you know, everybody's uh, getting accustomed to a new manager, saying the right things, doing the right things. Uh, CeCe Sabathia is looking forward to taking on a leadership role like but this is this is the kind of thing like if you look at the uh the new york post's yankee section on their you know on their website their top item uh, as far as yankees content is a larry brooks column about the new york rangers saying that uh you know jeff gorton the gm of the rangers needs to look at what brian cashman did with the yankees as far as getting a rebuild going at Madison Square Garden. You know, it's, uh, it's a good point, but it also speaks to the fact that there's not a lot of, uh, of baseball news at this point. Um, you know, they've also got a story about Aroldis Chapman wanting to you know, not have a rough patch in the season. He will. Closers always do. They have a similar story about Del Batances. Uh... And, you know, Sabathia and Justin, you know, not... This had like, CeCe Sabathia isn't taking Justin Verlander's bait. 
why would he? Like this, this Verlander thing was silly. You know, where he said the Astros are the team to beat, and you know, it was a reaction to media coverage of the Yankees. Of course, the Astros are the team to beat. They're the defending world champions, and they beat the Yankees in seven games in the ALCS. They're the team that the Yankees are taking aim at this year. They're the team that everybody in Major League Baseball is taking aim at this year. If the defending world champions aren't the team to beat, uh, after really not losing anything important off of their roster in, in the offseason, uh, who is? I know the Yankees had Stanton, and maybe that gives them an edge, but they still got to go out there and do it. The Astros added Garrett Cole, so yeah, it's not like they, not like they're chopped liver in this offseason. So there is not a whole lot going on uh, still. It is early days in spring training, and you know that's uh, that's what we get. You know, we get stories like that. Uh, and there's the Esteban Loaiza getting. That was actually front page news for the Post. Esteban Loaiza being. Um, Arrested as in a, a cocaine bust in California, former Yankee, and you know it's not just the Post; it's the same at at all of the papers. If you look at the Daily News, um, you know they're they're analyzing Chad Green's role this season. There's uh, you know, Aaron Judge is looking forward to Russell Wilson being in camp. They have the same Chapman story. They have uh, a Sabathia handling the hype, uh, and you know, and and all that. It's it's all just as far as, like, things to talk about. Like, I could just, like, rattle things off, but I, I, I don't I don't feel like that's good for... It's not good for me, and it's not good for you. So, you know, let's not pretend that, that a lot of things are happening that aren't. It just isn't. And this is, this is why, like, if I was cranky, and I was cranky last episode about pitchers and catchers, this is why. Pitchers and catchers show up, and then... Seriously, nothing happens. Now, that's not true completely everywhere because all of the other teams in the American League East are busy adding players. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But first, I should tell you that if you would like to advertise on Locked on Yankees, the way to do that is to send an email to the same place that you send an email if you want to you know, be involved in participating with uh, contributing to this operation. It's LockedOnNYY at gmail.com. So send that email. Uh, we'll, we'll get it all together and uh, you know, get this thing going because this is, this is something that I have fun doing and it would be cool to uh, monetize that. So help do that. And you know, for the people who want to contribute to this, uh, you can be in on that monetization as well because you know, you'll basically you know, you'll get what I get. So... Let's all do this together and look forward to having a great season. All right, so I wasn't necessarily planning an around the AL East look, but it seems like a a perfectly good time for one because the rest of the American League East, unlike the Yankees, are pretty busy on the hot stove. Everybody has added or is close to adding uh, a player. And in this case, uh, we can go through all four of the other teams and what they're doing. Uh, the Red Sox supposedly close to a deal with Eduardo Nunez. You know, perhaps by the time you hear this, that'll be a thing that happens. I think if you're a Yankee fan, you're almost kind of breathing a sigh of relief about this because Nunez was a guy that you know, had been talked about as ha- the Yankees having some interest in him. 
Nunez has been an all-star. You know, he's, he was with the Twins in 2016, made the all-star team, then got traded to the Giants, started last year with the Giants, got traded to the Red Sox. Hit for the Red Sox, you know, hit 321, 353, 539 with eight homers in 38 games. You know, a, a handy guy for them. Defensively limited, despite the fact that he plays every position. I think the last time uh, when we were talking about him, I called him a jack-of-all-trades and master of none in the field, and that's that's pretty much the story with Eduardo Nunez. Uh, him going back to Boston, you know, it makes sense for them because Dustin Pedroia is going to miss the start of the year and he can play second base there. But after that, you know, Nunez is going to be taking away at-bats from Rafael Devers, and you know, he's a, a right-handed hitter. Um, and a guy that they're going to be paying money to, and not some like the thing with Eduardo Nunez is like he's a useful player, but if you if you bring him in as a free agent, it's different than when the Yankees had him, and he was just kind of like you know that Rob Snyder type, but uh, you know maybe a little bit better of like you know throw him all over the infield and see what he can do. It's different when he's when he's the reserve guy versus when you're bringing him in and has the the all-star caliber on him and it, it's just there's more of an impetus to play that guy and I know that managers don't always go that way and Alex Cora is a new manager in Boston he's you know not beholden to this but I think that if if you're if you're the Yankees you're okay with seeing Nunez go to Boston other than the fact that he's going to hit like an RBI triple that beats you in some game at some point this year. That's just you know, the way those things work. But really more, it's it's that you, you're you not going to bring in Eduardo Nunez, who you know is Eduardo Nunez, to block Miguel Andujar or, or Gleyber Torres or anything like that. There's not going to be any kind of conflict there, and that's something now that the Red Sox have to deal with. So it's, it's positive for them that they have you know somebody they can trust to handle second base but at the same time you kind of wonder you know why is Marco Hernandez not getting those uh those at bats and, and that opportunity to fill in for Pedroia it's a weird thing the Red Sox are a team that is going to be over the luxury tax this year they it looks like at this rate the Red Sox are going to have the highest payroll in baseball so that's an interesting wrinkle and what they're willing to do over the the coming weeks is these you know the free agency market uh remains what it is uh, remains to be seen it should, should be pretty interesting with them because there are spots that they can upgrade I don't see Nunez as a huge upgrade for them you know even the year that that he was an all-star he was under three wins above replacement he's you know 2.7 last year he was uh, a 1.2 combined between San Francisco and Boston it's it's one of those things where it's like all right you know He's going to be there, but it, it kind of muddles things for them. And I think if you're the Yankees, you're okay with it not being muddled for you that way. If, if you're going to bring somebody in, you want somebody who's going to be at a higher level than that. And the Yankees you know, did not bite on Eduardo Nunez. He goes to Boston instead. At least it's uh, not official yet, but it seems to be going that way. Uh, Sergio Romo goes back to the Rays, where he was actually uh, pretty good last season after... Uh, really struggling with the Dodgers, which was kind of a weird... That was a weird thing, because he had spent his whole career with the Giants, uh, went to the Dodgers as a free agent, uh, just got shellacked with the Dodgers, and then went to Tampa Bay, and, you know, 30 and two-thirds innings with them. He had 
28 strikeouts and 7 walks. Uh, ERA of 1.47. Solid bullpen piece for them. And, you know, should continue to be that. And it's the Rays are kind of caught in this weird gray area between, you know, they're not outright tanking, but they did trade Evan Longoria. And there are you know, other guys that are mentioned as being potentially headed out of there. And, and then at the same time, they bring back Sergio Romo, who's going to be 35 at the start of March. Uh, you know, certainly a guy that that fits a, a plan either way. He fits you if you're good. You know, you're rolling with a, a pretty good reliever in your bullpen and a guy who has a good track record, solid, you know, veteran with has closing experience, hasn't done it in a few years, but I guess he had four saves for the Giants in 2016. But, you know, has has that experience, has the big, you know, was an all-star in 2013, has, a you know, three rings uh, from the Giants. Decent guy to have. And, you know, good for the race because if, if they stink... They should be able to flip Sergio Romo for something, you know, some kind of you know, mid-level prospect at the deadline. So good for them on that. Less inspiring is uh, the the Orioles, uh, and again, nothing with the Orioles is official until the physical has been passed. The notorious Orioles physical. Uh, Andrew Kashner going to Baltimore, which I guess that their rotation. Couldn't be any worse. Uh, Kashner had a 461 FIP for the Rangers last year when he went 11-11 with a 3.40 ERA. Uh, only 86 strikeouts in 166 and two-thirds innings, and he gave up 15 home runs in 166 and two-thirds innings uh, with the Rangers. You would get the idea that this is a, a Baltimore signing that that might go a little wacky because he's going to go to a pitcher's park. He walks guys as it is. Uh, He's always had, you know, a couple of years there in San San Diego when it looked like Cashner was kind of on the verge of becoming an ace. He had cut down the walks. Then the walks went back up, and he became uh, less than that, along with health issues and problems. So this feels like one of those. The Yankees are going to see Andrew Cashner a few times this year. If, if he does wind up in Baltimore, you know, and that, that contract goes through. Yankees are going to see him a few times, and, and the Yankees should expect to get their share of walks and score their share of runs against him. And, you know, that's, that's when this is a guy with a, a career 3.80 ERA when he spent you know, the bulk of his career in San Diego. Uh, that's, that's a real pitcher's park in a pitcher's park division outside of Denver. This is... You know, I, I guess if you're replacing Chris Tillman, who was miserable last year, then then that is an upgrade. But this is still not not a move that is going to make the Orioles any kind of threat. This is, hey, can you fill some innings for us? And, you know, if, if things go well, then you know, things go well. If they don't, they don't. And last but not least, the former Yankee, the Yankee legend, the Yankee great, only more of a Yankee great than he was a Twins great, uh, Jaime Garcia. Jaime Garcia won more games for the Twins than he did for the Yankees. He won zero games for the Yankees. He won his only start as a twin. Uh, Jaime Garcia pitched for Atlanta, Minnesota, and the Yankees last season. A com- combined 157 innings. He had 129 strikeouts, a 425 FIP, and a 4.41 ERA while giving up 18 home runs with 64 walks in those 157 innings. Uh, lefty. And, and probably 
uh, you would think, you know, we, we always feel like those revenge games are a thing that's going to happen against the Yankees, so probably, you know, throw one in there. Did pitch, you know, two and two-thirds scoreless innings of relief in the playoffs against Cleveland, so that was useful for the Yankees. He's going to stay in the division. I think that it's telling that there was never really that much of a thought by the Yankees to keeping Jaime Garcia uh, around. So there is that, uh, and, and that is what is happening around the American League East. Other teams are being active. The Yankees are, I guess, for the moment, happy with what they have. And I'm sure that they will continue to analyze the market and see what's out there for them. But it it still it sure does still seem slow for them. And I think we do have to start getting ready for the fact that they they may go into the season with what they have. They're still a contender if they do. Nothing wrong with that. All right, so it is Friday, so it is Mailbag Friday here at Locked On Yankees, and. If you have questions, as always, you can tweet them to Locked On Yankees or send them by email to LockedOnNYY at gmail.com. First question tonight, they're all from Twitter. Nobody used the uh, the email this time, so that's fine because they're all short questions. In fact, the first question is not even a full question. It is from Ghost of Ray Kroc, Ghost of R-A-K, who tweeted uh, an image from the Who Shot Mr. Burns episode of, of The Simpsons. It says, Who are you? Where are you going? To which I say, do your research, Shutton. Ken Brockman, Channel 6 News. Uh, you know Who I am, I'm Jesse Spector, and where I'm going is uh, continuing to host this, but hopefully you know, having some, uh, some help from you, the uh, listener with some baseball acumen and skill. So, like I said before, uh, reach out, contact me. Well, we'll get this uh, all taken care of. Nick Koch, Nick Koch28 on Twitter, asks... What would the Yankees need to give to acquire Odorizzi or Archer? A lot of moving pieces, but trade for Odorizzi or Archer, sign Moose 113, and trade Warren. Too far-fetched? Yeah, I I think it is too far-fetched to to say that you're going to just, you know, make a trade for one of those Those guys, Jake Odorizzi and Chris Archer, are going to require entirely different asking prices from the Rays. And, And I think that Archer, you know, being better and actually, you know, signed would uh, command a much, much higher um, package than than Jake Odorizzi would. Uh, Odorizzi went through arbitration. Uh, Archer is in a spot where he's signed through 2019 with options for 20 and 21 uh, before he gets to free agency. And you can bank on those options being being activated because they're for $9 million and $11 million. Um, whether it's the Rays or anybody else, you're basically looking at uh, four years and $34 million uh, for Chris Archer, whereas uh, who's a better pitcher than Jake Odorizzi, who is uh, on a one-year deal um, after arbitration, uh, has one more arbitration year after this and then goes free agent at after the 2019 season. They're both good. Wouldn't mind having either one of them. I think that in either case, you're looking at a big-time kind of prospect out of the farm system. I I don't know exactly who the Rays would target out of the Yankees' farm system, but, you know, whatever you would get for Odorizzi, um, 
I think and I think you would basically double it for Archer. You know, if, it, if it's going to take uh, one top guy, uh, then it would take two top guys to get Archer and, and that kind of thing. I don't think trading Adam Warren is that far fetched. He's a useful guy with a lot of a lot of skills. Um, you know, out of the bullpen, he can come out of the bullpen. He can start. He can do a lot of things for a team. Uh, I don't really expect to see it either. And I don't expect to see Mike Mustagas, uh on the Yankees. I, I think $13 million for one year is probably pretty reasonable for him at this point. So who knows what's reasonable at this point? Because nothing, nothing makes sense anymore. So I don't know. I don't know. I think that if you're talking about Chris Archer, though, who is the guy that I have thought for a while that the Yankees should be targeting, I think that you know, you're looking at... You might be looking at somebody who's previously called untouchable, and it might be worth it because that guy's really good, and he's signed, you know, for four more years at thirty, you know, thirty-four. Uh, what was I? I said thirty-four million dollars. Yeah, that's a steal for that guy in his prime. And Chris Archer is a guy who, uh, you know, last year he wasn't even a good year for him. Uh, uh, you know, he had a 407 ERA, uh, but it, his FIP was 3.40. Struck out 11.1 per nine innings as a starter. 249 strikeouts in 201 innings. Walked 60. Uh, you know, gave up 27 homers. So those, those are issues. And you know, I, I know that the numbers haven't always been there, and not at the level that they were in 2014, 2015. Man, when that guy's good, he is so good. And, you know, you look at Odorizzi, and Odorizzi last year was a 414 ERA. And that's more in line with, you know, what he's done uh, over the course of his career. He's younger, so you can give him, you know, give him an edge on that. But, you know, Jake Odorizzi was, uh, he'll be 28 in March, and Chris Archer is 29, turned 29 in September. So, you know, there's a little bit of an age advantage for Odyssey, but that's really the only advantage that you would have. Uh, I think that that kind of a trade, I think Clint Frazier is involved, and I think the A's are, are asking, uh, the Rays, I should say, are asking for even more after that. Um, and last but not least tonight, we've got, or today, this morning, whenever you're listening to this, tonight is when I'm recording. Last but not least, we've got uh, Bronx Bombers Beat at Bombers Beat on Twitter asking, which minor leaguer will rise the fastest this year? This is another tricky one to to take on because just from a, a level of like where they are and, and the ceiling that they have, I think that the answers are, are Esteban Florial and Albert Abreu. Just for you know, those are the easy, obviously those are guys who have been low minors and have popped up on prospect lists, and you, know, you would think those are guys who can really make a push and maybe jump up a level or two during the year. The thing is, though, that the Yankees have plans for each guy. Yeah, you know, they they have goals that they want everyone to set, and and they might want to see. X number of plate appearances or X number of innings or have, you know, an innings plan for various prospect pitchers. They don't like, yeah, they really only like to to move you up if you've conquered a level. And this is true throughout baseball. You you don't, 
you don't just move up because you've had a, a good couple of months usually unless somebody got hurt at a higher level and, and there's you know retrograde stuff going on throughout the uh, throughout the organization where you have to backfill so but when when you're talking about prospects that you're building you know building around their futures I think that that's uh, that that's a little bit more you know you're working around that and you're working around their development and and if you know if Esteban Florial goes to goes to Tampa and absolutely crushes the ball uh, you know, for two months yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him then wind up in trend if he crushes the ball in trend for two months maybe maybe they give him a little look at AAA I I'd be hard pressed to see that happening though because they it there was a pitcher uh, years and years ago. And I'm. It, his name was Ryan Bradley. Ryan Bradley was on the 1998 Yankees. Ryan Bradley got a ring with the 1998 Yankees. Ryan Bradley, in 1998, uh, started that year in in High A. He pitched for Tampa. He pitched for uh, for Norwich. Uh, and he pitched for Columbus, the Yankees affiliates, at the time. Um, let, me, let me call up his exact numbers here. Yeah, he he, he pitched that year, thirty-two games uh, for High A Tampa, eleven starts, three starts with Norwich in Double A, and then three starts in Columbus Triple A, and came up to the Yankees and went two and one with a five point six eight ERA. He won two of the hundred fourteen games. He was a, a, a two-game winner, uh, five games for the Yankees, one start, and that was the only time that Ryan Bradley, who you know, had been drafted uh, drafted in 1997 out of Arizona State, he was in the majors with the Yankees in 98 and never pitched in the major leagues again. Uh, by 2002, he was out of baseball. That's what you don't want to have happen. And I know that it's different with, you know, you're, you're talking about a college reliever versus, you know, young international prospects. But even all the more reason that you're not going to fly those guys through the system. And I think that's, uh, that's important to keep in mind. You know, Ryan Bradley was the number 40 overall pick in the Major League Baseball draft in 1997. And the Yankees ran him up to pitch for the best team in Major League history. Like, he pitched for them, never saw the majors again. You know, he had a 5.68 ERA in 12 and two-thirds innings, but that was also, um, I, I remember that, you know, that was really the result of, of one bad outing, I want to say, because, yeah, he got, at his one start, he got hammered in the first game of a doubleheader, uh, by the Angels. This is like this is such a weird thing. Like they called him up. He pitched in Texas in a in a twelve nine game. He got the win in his major league debut. Pitched an inning in two thirds on August twenty second. Faced uh, faced six batters. The next day in a twelve ten loss. Next day he comes back out, faces eight batters, gives up four run uh, three runs on four hits in an inning. And then they bring him back on August 26th on two days rest uh, to pitch five innings and five plus innings 
had eight strikeouts in five in five plus against the Angels, but also you know gave up the six runs, five earned in, in those five innings. Didn't pitch again until September twelfth, uh, and and you know had two two long relief appearances, and one of them was his. He won his major league debut, and he won his final final major league appearance, uh, September twenty third against Cleveland. A, an 8-4 victory for the Yankees. Uh, Ryan Bradley came in, pitched uh, the 4th through the 6th. Got the W. Uh, one hit, four walks, no strikeouts. Uh, that and, and that's it. That's the end of his major league career. And, yeah, so that's, that's what you don't want to do uh, when, when you have a guy that, that you've put some, some organizational oomph into. And I know that was a that was a different time when, especially with college relievers, they they were more apt just around the majors to to rush guys up a little bit. But you know how different could things have been uh, with Ryan Bradley had had the Yankees handled his development differently? We'll never know. I think that they're they're understandably more conservative now than they were then, and uh, it's been a conservatively handled offseason so thank you for all your questions thank you for writing in uh hope to hear from a lot of people uh who want to write for the website and be part of this so the email again is locked on nyy at gmail.com and uh yeah find us uh wherever you're listening to your podcast and subscribe and rate and review all that good stuff thanks for tuning in we'll see you next time